Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode of the Cult Pop Show podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post credit scene at the end of each episode, or join us for our monthly movie club Zoom call where we discuss a film together, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopshow. <laughs> I won't even keep that in. That was just for us. Mm, oh, thank you. I'm blue, dabba dee dabba die. I am white, also red, dabba dee dabba die. Thought about that on the bus. Thought Very good. Did you ever think that the lyrics were, I am blue, if I was green, I would die? Because I've seen people say that they think that. They, it's not that they think that, it's that they know that. They're like, these are actually the lyrics, and they're not. Yeah, no, it's not. It's just a fucking... Frankly, I'd w- I wish they were. I would love for them to be, if I was green, I would die. Oh, that was stupid as hell. Why? What? Better than dubba D dubba die. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, hey, let us know your thoughts down in the comment of this very high energy episode of one of the probably the least high energy franchises we've covered in a while, in a in a good way, in a classy Ooh. film. Yeah, yeah, very upmarket kind of way. Yeah, yeah. This is, of course, the Cole Popshire podcast. My name is AJ. I'm joined with Richard. What up? And this is film franchise fortnights on the cold pop podcast where every fortnight we watch and discuss a film series we've been going since june of 2016 doing this bitch and oh remember how good 2016 was remember like god don't you look back on that fondly now yeah i do absolutely absolutely um anyway uh are you done looking back fondly what are some suicide squad fantastic beasts what are you saying? Rogue what, One. Just movie-wise? Yeah. Well, what are you talking about? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing here? Who, What's your end game who, of this? Oh, play, 2019 now. Okay. Those, those <laughs> were the real golden golden days. The last yeah. bastion of, of civilization. <laughs> was 2019. Um, anyway, this is today. So, okay. I'm, I'm too high-strung. I'm too excited. So... Pretend, if you're listening to this, ignore the energy we've already established. <laughs> mm. And instead, pour yourself... And say bonjour, bonjour to a new energy. Yeah. Pour yourself a glass of wine. What's a type of what wine? What kind of wine? Sauvignon Blanc. A, sh- a champagne. A champagne. And it has to actually be champagne. Yeah. Found in the Champagne region of France. Very nice. Um, and maybe a, a cigarette. Sit out on the balcony overlooking the little township that you're staying in for one magical summer. (laughs) And get ready to talk with us about the Three Colors trilogy or the Trois Colors trilogy. Or in Polish, spoken, spoken like a man who's Googled how to pronounce. (laughs) I know how to pronounce three colors in French. 
or in Polish, it's which is significantly less um, uh, relaxing, I think. But these are a, a collective of French-Polish films um, directed by Krzysztof Kieslowski. <laughs> Pretty sure that's it. Um, who is a Polish filmmaker. And the films are called, the, they're called Three Colors Blue, Three Colors White, and Three Colors Red, or... Trois colors bleu, trois colors blanc, and trois colors rouge. Um, very nice. Thank you very much. I'm loving this. Um, the series is one of our rare trilogies, Richard, where it's more like a series of spiritual sequels. Um, or is it? Or is it? Where, where it's less about the story or characters continuing on for a new adventure and more about the themes and ideas um, that are, yeah. you know, what's the word? Um, uh, reoccurring through. Um, yeah, along the same lines as the Red Curtain trilogy, mm. which... One of our most controversial episodes. Because is it a trilogy? Yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is also, um, I was going to say, worth mentioning, the the blue, white, and red. Those are the three colors on the French flag. Correct. Uh, hence why it's uh, it's called that. Yep. It, they're, they're the colors on the French flag, and uh, they intended to thematically explore the French ideals that uh, Kislovsky incorrectly believed each color represented. Um, so, right. according what he thought was that uh, blue, white, and red represented liberty, equality, and fraternity, respectively. Uh, he got them yeah. confused with the three virtues of the political ideals of the French Republic and not specifically the flag, which I don't know if I didn't look up, they represented anything, but yeah, well, the, the, the Liberté, Egalité yes, and Fraternité uh, is the motto of France. Correct. Liberty, Equality, yes. Fraternity. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so blue is Liberty, white is Equality and red is Fraternity. And we'll discuss more about what those three words mean later on. Three words, which you go, yeah, I know what they mean. And then someone goes, what do they mean? And you, use another word to describe what they mean instead yeah. um so we'll get to that but first richard uh the, so these films came out in 1993 and 1994 so two films actually came out in one year the, the second two films came out yeah. in 94 red actually came out the day i turned one wow very nice and uh red was nominated at the academy awards that year um well the other two were not um, but there's a little bit more on that Whoa. later on. So the first film we watched was Three Colors Blue in 1993, directed, as I said, by Christoph Kieslowski. Um, what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, I'm pretty sure these ones all have, like, very close to 100, if not 100. Mm. Yes, it is very close to 100, if not 100. It is 98 on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. 98% of critics thought this was a great movie. And can you tell us, me, remind me, what is this movie about? Uh, so, Bleu, Bleu is about a woman whose name is Julie, mm-hmm. played by Godzilla 2014's Juliette Binoche, ah. um, who's uh, Brian Cranston's late wife in that film. Um, ah. And so she's married to a famous composer, uh, but then he dies in a car accident and it's about so this this film is uh you know tackles the theme of liberty mm. but it's like it's about like uh, emotional liberation yes um and so uh she kind of shuts herself off from the world well, and, her, and there's, there's sorry, a, her daughter also dies yeah. in the crash she didn't mention so so that that almost seems to be 
well, maybe we can talk about this. It almost she almost seems more shell shocked by the death of her young daughter than by the death of her husband. Um, yeah, because she also finds out that her husband was having an affair. It's um, it's it's brought into question several times in the movie, although never explicitly confirmed or denied that she's actually the great composer. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's about her kind of rediscovering herself. Um, and yeah, what what else um happens? So in the it's film? it's it's sort of the 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 journey she goes on is that Patrice, who's her late husband, um had an unfinished composition. Um, yeah, that- and so um yeah, she she's kind of asked to help finish it. Yeah, uh, because yeah. she's she's haunted by the unfinished notes throughout. The yeah, film. like it's this recurring motif yeah. in the film is like elements of that um that symphony that, he, that yeah. was unfinished. And so she eventually sort of finds closure through finishing the work her late husband started or possibly she started whichever. Um this film was considered by Roger Ebert to be an anti-tragedy. He has a cute little way of looking at each film Mm. so that's how he looks at this one as an anti-tragedy and i kind of get that because it's a film which starts with the worst thing that can happen to a person and then it kind of then goes all right so what would you do and it's like i would i would do the same thing i would i because she like leaves her life behind she avoids people she knows to try and live a life of of freedom and it is liberation right it, whether yeah. it's liberation from her husband who maybe didn't treat her well or just like an embracing of the clean slate you've now been afforded mm. and, and and finally feeling free yeah. to be yourself and, and yeah. yeah yeah so and i said before that liberty is a word is a word that you kind of need to describe with another word and that other word i would pick would be freedom it's it's a it's a story about yeah. embracing the freedom that you've you've gained but at what cost by losing your husband yeah yeah um should we should we see what um google's definition of um please uh liberty is the state of being free within society from oppressive restrictions imposed by author- authority on one's way of life behavior or political views uh the other definition is the power or scope to act as one pleases the i mean that's exactly what the yeah. film is um and of course it's called blue why is it called blue because the color blue um serves as quite a prominent motif throughout the film one of the only she so she sells her husband's estate and the only thing she keeps is like this mobile made mm. from blue jewels um that reminds her of her daughter that sort of thing yada 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 richard what did you think of this film uh now these films um are all in the criterion collection Correct, which yep. which tends to um uh what's the word like log and kind of acknowledge preserve. yeah yeah, like some of the greatest films like The Rock and Armageddon mm. and Son of Godzilla. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> it, it does tend to, you know, you know, preserve, like there's a, there's a reason why these films are preserved. Culturally uh, significant Mike, films. Yeah, yeah. Mike Noyes uh, has a podcast yes. about this called Random Acts of Cinema. And, and they have a thing where they talk about the, the Criterion moment, mm. um, which is because they, they, they watch randomly selected Criterion films. And... Um, this film I thought was like full of Criterion moments. Sure, like yeah. the film is nothing but Criterion moments of, of movies where you're like, well, this is why it's in there. Um, and I, I thought I, I thought this film was beautiful. I loved it. Mm. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought it was incredible. It's in my top three 
uh, French films in the Criterion Collection where the final shot is one of the main characters crying. Um, <laughs> the other two being the other two films in this series? Uh, no, not not Red, because that doesn't actually end with her crying. She just looks very sad. Um, White does, but also Portrait of a Lady on Fire ends with it. Right. Um, which is, oh my God, what a fucking good movie. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I ended up, you know, falling in love with the character of Julie mm-hmm. um, and Juliet Binoche's performance. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I thought it was incredible. What did you think? Yeah, man. Look, this is, we are rarely afforded the opportunity on this podcast we started because we love film to talk about the reasons why we love film. Um, mm. And this is a great example. Like, we, we get so stooped in covering earbud movies and 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 land before time movies or or even ones that just haven't aged well like james bond and it's like you forget it's like why did i do this again why did i start a podcast about movies oh it's because movies like three colors bleh exist you know can make you feel things exactly and it's one of those movies where um it ends and you maybe haven't made up your mind about it and then you just don't stop thinking about it <laughs> for yeah, like the for next sure. day and, and it creeps up on you and and like knowing it was about liberty i think uh, beforehand i think and like helped me enjoy it more because we maybe mm. have talked about this a few times but i certainly enjoy a movie a lot more when i understand what is trying to be communicated i don't really like right, yeah. open for interpretation to to like a massive degree and so mm. i knowing it was about liberty i could read it through that lens and i was like again yeah like you i i really enjoyed the characters i really enjoyed the 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 liberation of her um I think that one of the things I really liked about this one was the use of music. Like I said before, that it, it kind of haunts her. It, it'll play, and it's this grandiose choir that that sings and then abruptly stops several times throughout the film. Um, and then when she, there's a scene where the, her and the kind of new love interest of the story are looking over the unfinished symphony, and you hear her like she like the camera focuses on her like lining her finger across the notes and you hear it. And then she goes, no, no, take out the horns and you hear it again Mm. without the horns and no, no, leave this, take out that, put in this and it, and you hear it play. And it was, it's a very, um, more so than the other two. I think it really had this spirit to it because of the, the music in Mm. it, that it was like, this is an element to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like that, that was a very and because I know I I, know, I think you're the same, but this is very much a, a me thing as well. But like I I'm so fascinated by music theory because I do not understand yeah, it. Yeah. Like the fact that she can listen to that and go, "Oh, take out the horn." Like play that in her mind mm-hmm. and say, "Take out the horns," is like it's like speaking another language yeah she is speaking another language um but uh, so it's just another layer on top of that um but yeah and so the the music gives it this kind of mystical quality because there's an inherent like uh emotional kind of Mm. tie to to music yeah um yeah yeah and look the 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 films have sort of been famously lauded as like they are politically um 
inspired but apolitical in and of themselves so Mm. they're inspired by a political motto but they themselves are are universal messages no matter where you sit in politics and i think what's really cool about that is like it doesn't just say oh if your whole family dies you can run away and start anew it's like there's it it says it, it still provides her with a way to 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 receive closure and um and move on i hope people enjoy us being very serious talking about film instead of being silly like we usually are because i'm enjoying uh, this i'm enjoying this conversation i just hope it's 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 what people want to hear uh, do people like when we enjoy films or do they prefer it when we when we're miserable it feels like they prefer it when we're miserable mm. well i mean they're not like happy films That's true. necessarily yeah they're quite so. harrowing stuff yeah yeah um hey i did you notice one technique used in this film that's very strange is that uh it'll often it'll be a close-up of julie and then you'll hear the 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 like few bars from the unfinished symphony play and then the screen will fade to black for a few moments Mm. and then fade back in but you're just in the same scene like nothing has changed yeah what did you think was going on there it's a very like yeah being like overcome with emotion kind of mm. thing because they have kind of the energy of ad breaks and we wondered if this was actually a, a made for tv movie originally which wouldn't surprise me because um things like the girl and the dragon tattoo the swedish versions they were actually mm. originally made as made for tv movies and they, they share quite a lot of similarities with with you know two films came out in the same year the the you know char- mm. female driven character pieces um that sort of thing but uh the we looked at the, the only thing that 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 wouldn't make sense for an ad break is the fact that they come up in the same scene and then the scene immediately ends um (laughs) a couple of times so uh this does have um a quote from kislovsky about it he says this is you know when asked about the fade-ins and fade-outs he said um at a certain moment time really does pass for julie while at the same time it stands still not only does her music come back to haunt her at a certain point but time stands still for a moment and there's several quotes it, it felt like haunting for me yeah. that's, that's the right kind of word that it's like she she has been and maybe it's that she's like haunted by the the sense of liberty that she feels mm, maybe yeah, uh, yeah. because from losing her husband yeah um a couple of other you know you see you see this written everywhere because people are like what is happening with the fade-ins and fade-outs and it's it's supposed to represent an extremely subjective point of view from the filmmaking right um which is very you don't hear that a lot outside of um film school crowds these days um so yeah man i i really love this this really stayed with me i think out of all the three it it feels like it's the most stylistic as well which yeah for sure (laughs) um i really liked uh before we move on or do you have anything else you want to talk about with blue i know what you're gonna say I was going to give us some dumb IMDb trivia. Get the sillies oh. back into this this podcast. So uh, if you don't know, uh, IMDb trivia is user-submitted, meaning that it can range from anything to anything. Um, and often it's really silly. Here is a couple of pieces of uh, IMDb, IMDb trivia I found for Three Colors Blue. At the 2018 Vice Grad Film Forum, cinematographer Slawomir Idziak claimed that the script 
and initial cut for this film focused on the journalist character played by Helene Vincent and her efforts to investigate the authorship of the unfinished musical composition that drives the plot. It was only during the editing process that Krzysztof Kieslowski restructured the film to focus on Julie. Now, that is an insane piece of trivia. I included it in in dumb IMDb trivia because I was like, that's not true. (laughs) <laughs> not maybe in the scripting stage but in the editing stage you changed it from the entire hero of the film well, um annie hall was a linear murder mystery apparently uh until it became and and, and like literally it was shot like that wow um and it was going to be a few like more than two hours long uh, and then it was yeah recut into a ninety-minute romantic comedy uh, with the, you know showcasing a non-linear kind of style. Interesting. And also, and then there's like uh, the thin blue line is another example, right? But the thin red, no, Hel- thin red line. Helene, the the, the Terence Malick film, right? Helene Vincent <laughs> is in the her journalist character is in the film for like two minutes. Yeah. she's hardly in it. So I like this is this is claimed by the cinematographer. Um, and uh, Kislovsky sadly is no longer with us, so we don't have him to confirm nor deny that. Um, <laughs> but that's an ins- if that's true, this is a feat. They changed the story completely. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Another piece of dumb IMDb trivia I have here is, f- uh, so there's a famous shot in this where after she leaves her house, um, her, or the estate that she's just asked to sell everything in it, um, she like puts her knuckles up against a, a stone wall and just drags them across the stone wall and like cuts up her hand real bad. Um, mm. It's quite it's quite grisly. Um, and it says here on IMDb, for the shot where Julie scrapes her hand along a stone wall, Juliette Binoche was originally supposed to wear a prosthetic to protect her hand but it looked too obvious on camera Binoche felt the scene was important enough that she actually dragged her unprotected hand along the wall drawing real blood she claims it took over a year for her hand to heal completely Richard she kept acting <laughs> she kept acting this is this is uh what what, what am I referencing there's a what movie Django Unchained Django Unchained where uh Leonardo DiCaprio smashes his hand on the table um and uh accidentally crushed a glass with his hand impaling his hand with blood uh with with glass and bleeding everywhere and he just he keeps acting and he pulls the blood out and it's like one of those things that um you know it's one of those things that became a meme because people were like oh my god this was so amazing and people were like this is so amazing and like made fun <laughs> of people who found it amazing acting <laughs> like it's always yeah. in bold it's like he kept acting <laughs> i love it yeah. cool all right, well, let's move on to Toi Colère Blanc in 1994, Three Colors White, uh, also directed by Christoph Kieslowski. And who, how, what do you reckon this has on Rotten Tomatoes? 98. This has 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's the lowest oh, wow. rated of the three. Wow. And when the lowest rated of your trilogy is 87, um, you, yeah. you're doing something right. 87 is not we don't see numbers that high very often (laughs) (laughs) um what is uh three colors white about uh all right so there's our main character uh carl 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 yep that's his first name and his surname uh he um the film opens with him uh his wife divorcing him um because uh dominique his wife played by uh the before trilogies Ju- and age of ultron's julie delby um portrayed uh, by an american werewolf in paris's julie delby yes the only other the film we've covered well i guess we've covered age of ultron as well but yeah she's in yeah in that we've covered on the podcast as well 
and uh, yes, yeah, uh, that she she can't he can't get it up, and so he's unable to. Uh, his, he can't achieve an erection with his penis, is what I mean. Oh, um, and so uh, unable to consummate their marriage, and so she divorces him. And so it's one of those like really, really down on his luck kind of guys. Like the opening act of the film is just hit everything going wrong for him until he uh, he meets and befriends uh, Mikolaj, mm-hmm. who um, uh, essentially says, "I can." take you to poland in a suitcase um uh, so he hides in a suitcase and but then the suitcase is stolen yeah and so he um but then um through you know it's some a, it's finally a black getting comedy some, of errors basically it, it is yeah uh, but then finally getting some some kind of good fortune um what is it he oh he, he essentially extorts his bosses yeah um and is able to play that to his his advantage, and then it um, becomes a bit of a success, and uh, then fakes his death to essentially prove that Dominique still loved him, or to, to have her come to the funeral, and then frame her for his death. Um, he manages to have sex with her, um, and she orgasms wildly. <laughs> um, and... Uh, yeah, so they, they they have sex and then he leaves and then the cops show up and are like, hey, you just killed, you killed your husband. And she's like, well, no. And then she ends up in prison and he not not so much visits her, but he stands outside the prison. They make eye contact and they sign to each other. Um, and it's like, essentially, they're signing and it's positive that they're going to get back they're together. Get, she, she and, actually uh, signs. Carol, she specifically signed something like, um, I'm, "We're going to get out of here and we're going to get married again." And he, yeah. and he, he's left crying, and, and, and he cries. Um, yeah, yeah, which is the final shot of the film. Um, but also, I guess I'll say it here. You've probably got it in your notes, but the the kind of fun thing at the start of this film is so there's um, in Bleu, mm-hmm. there's a scene where uh, Julie finds out about her husband's mistress. And she finds out that she's a lawyer and she goes to court um, and like kind of pushes open a door where she sees her and is like quickly told, no, 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 like, what are you doing? Get out. Um, and then in the start of this film, we see her try to walk into the courtroom because the yeah. court case that she was about to walk into was the divorce of Carol and Dominique. Yes. And so it's a, it's a very fun little like, oh, yeah, you know. Right at the start, shared universe. Which, is, in- which also like... You know, because I was like, oh, God, we're doing three colors. We're going to have to have this fucking conversation again about what counts as a franchise. It inexplicably does. Right. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah like, yeah. it's not just themes. Yeah. Um, but also, I, I, I like this thing because, because again, like you, I knew that it was like they had the three themes of uh, liberty, equality, and fraternity. And I love that um, this film, it's like it treats equality as like, getting equal it's, like it's getting it's even it's, it's a revenge film it's revenge. yeah and so it's, it's about the idea of like getting even with someone not being equal it's like <laughs> yeah, just, yeah bringing them down it's a, it's a great interpretation of it. It, it, fe- it's, it it almost feels like a um a pre um i don't know like now if you were to say tell a story about equality that's about a a jilted man getting revenge on the the woman who broke his heart i think maybe you'd yeah. have a bit of a different reaction to it's listening to that as equality um so yeah it is it is a, a sort of a revenge story wikipedia states the plot as um a deeply ashamed beggar uh begins his effort to restore equality through in his to his life through revenge um mm. 
and I but I I get it. I think it. I don't think it's particularly. Um, I don't think it's in danger of being sexist because it's like this is a a like Dominique is portrayed as a very shallow person yeah. who who divorces her husband for a, a reason that you probably shouldn't divorce someone for that they they can't. Well, should they got married in the first place? Yeah, but they can't. He can't perform. And so it is kind of like a, a just desserts kind of thing. Uh, Roger Ebert called this the anti-comedy. So we've got the anti-tragedy right. and we've got the anti-comedy. And I think that makes sense because especially that last shot um, where he's waving at her and they're signing in the, the the prison shows that she still loves him. So it's it's less like he got revenge and more like they restored equal venom to either side of the mm. the relationship it's like um it's uh like the phantom uh, it's like phantom thread a little bit it's exactly like phantom i'm glad you brought that up yeah there's a kinkiness to it there's a there's a yeah yeah, yeah. There, there's a there's and it's a, like they're gonna keep doing this forever yeah yeah and that's romantic that is romantic it's, yeah in its own little <laughs> fucked up way yeah. yeah the idea that it's like that she's yeah she, like because he was able to get it up because he was getting revenge yeah, essentially yeah, yeah. it was like it was like a, a hate fuck yeah i believe is the term <laughs> i believe the kids are calling it <laughs> yeah and, and i think that there's you know if we were to see these characters again they would be doing this shit they would be like because she um tries to burn down her like is it a shop or where, where, where she lives yeah, yeah. because um to essentially blame him for it and it's they're going to keep one-upping each other and then have this like amazing passionate sex mm. because they get a rush from doing that to each other hey and look richard maybe we will see them again sometime in the future i doubt it doubt it um so what did you think of <laughs> of, of three colors white uh or blanc. blanc um three color blanc mm-hmm. um I did, yeah. Like, uh, the the fact that this one has a lower rating, I do, I get that. Yeah. And there, there is, um, well, you you talked about this la- uh, last episode that there's something there's something inherently less interesting about a story driven by revenge, mm-hmm. um, unless for some reason it's The Last of Us Two, um, a more complex <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah lay- layered story that I think is actually a lot more than just a story about revenge. Yep. Go on. Um. But yeah, the, and so, and also like the fact that it's like, the fact that it's a man, I kind of found this interesting, you know, like. Yeah, I thought this was Julie Delpy's movie. <laughs> yeah, um, even though she, she's not in it for quite a substantial amount of time. Mm. But um, yeah, like I, I found the, 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 the French woman in the other two films, like with these really, really um, incredible leads. Um, but there, there's something, and, and there's something a little bit, there's something a bit pathetic about cattle and it's yeah. like my, my my least favorite kind of stretch of episodes or maybe just one episode is in breaking bad is the one where it's like jesse's life is just so bad <laughs> and it's it's, it's cringe worthy right. it's, it's it's cringe comedy essentially mm. um and it's like you just want them to catch a break but then and it's just it's just sad but then like having said that i, d- I did really like this movie and the fact that it's like it's a bit more of a comedy I enjoyed, and the, yeah, the, a comedy of errors anyway. The comedy is sort of what replaces the like musical motif from yeah, from for sure, Blue. for sure. It's like that's what sets this one apart. What sets the first one apart is that it is has these musical elements and and kind of a very subjective, as we said, um, stylistic communication of its story. What sets this one about is that it's easily the only funny one <laughs> of the three. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah with like uh dominique is in terms because I, I wanted to think of these movies as like these three french films where there's like this powerhouse actress in the lead role whereas in yeah. white it's more like the main female character serves as a symbol for the film like she's on the poster mm. and yeah. but is less the protagonist um but i also think there's a little bit of neatness of putting her on the poster yeah well exactly but yeah. but she's the MacGuffin almost of it you know yeah. it's the same with um you visit the poster for Les Mis, where it's the little girl yeah it's like yeah. that um yeah what's her name little girl from Les Mis. i think her name is Les Mis. i think she is Les Mis. oh yeah she's the she's the lame Les Mis. there you go ah. very very nice um did you have any favorite scenes or cassette. things you want young to- cassette <laughs> <laughs> do you have any favorite scenes or things you want to talk about with with three colors blanc um no there's there's just a lot of like funny stuff in it and uh, like yeah, the, the scene where um we see julie show up i was like oh yes nice. thank you there, there's my there's my like hail mary i don't have to talk about what isn't as in a franchise <laughs> sweet well i've got some dumb imdb trivia um here is one of the craziest pieces of trivia I've ever read, and we're very <laughs> interested to see if it's true. Um, Christoph Kislovsky was a very precise filmmaker. During the scene in which Dominique has an orgasm, he told Julie Delpy exactly how long she had to moan and when she had to start to moan louder because it kind of fades to white on the... Yeah. the um, what is the yeah, because it happens a couple of times in the film. The as crescendo well. of the orgasm. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, the climax. <laughs> um, and uh, that have you? Do you know what this guy looks like, Krzysztof Kislowski? <laughs> <laughs> there's like a grizzled old polish man <laughs> like yeah. he's chain smoking in every interview he's in died at 53 yeah. um you imagine this man going up to like this beautiful fair actress like julie yeah. julie delpy and being like um so i want you to be like i actually it's funny because um because i wanted to double check the the pronunciation of his name um and so i watched a couple of like interviews Mm. about him and 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 stuff and they um and there was an interview with julie delpy and she mentions like you know they were like what what is it like with with, uh, kislowski and she said oh yeah like he, he was very uh i don't know if she said this but like a very intimate filmmaker like he would get like he's like right off camera in any scene kind of thing Mm. smoking and telling you what to do um and he said that he would be like looking at his watch and he would be like and moan (laughs) and louder i now need to scream and it's like and he said and she said that like and she's like talking about oh my character screamed because um i I guess she was i i I, I don't scream like that. <laughs> like, well, that, that's actually funny. that's actually a good point. I watched a a while ago. I watched sort of a behind the scenes video from an intimacy um, supervisor on a film set. So these are the people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's very interesting. Yeah, who sit in on sex scenes to make sure nothing untoward is happening um, yeah. on set. Um, and one of the things that I remember they talked about in there was that that one of the things they co- intimacy coach. Sorry, they coach yeah. the actors in the love scene is to find your character's animal um so that when you are mm. making your your grunts and your moans that you're actually doing it in character and not revealing to an entire film crew what you sound like which is quite a, yeah, you know, yeah. a private thing potentially um 
So yeah, um, it's funny that you brought that Christoph Koslowski being right off camera, Richard, because that's actually my second piece of dumb IMDb trivia. Um, more dumb in the way it's worded than the information it right, contains. Yeah, nice. So here's what it says verbatim. Julie Delpy shared that Christoph Koslowski would sit under the camera and chain smoke because he always sat under the camera. He was very, a very close proximity to the actors during close-ups. She continued that this was reassuring as he solely focused on his actors, but sometimes it could be distracting. It's just like just a run-on sentence that's like yeah, what yeah. is <laughs> you can you can format this better um so that <laughs> is Twakola blanc or um it's got a polish name the polish names are funnier so i'm going to read out the polish names very quickly what is it <laughs> yeah, it's it's a uh, so the one for white is tritz kolore biale it's offensive um <laughs> And um, so the, the um, so that's that's for white. For blue, it was Tritsikolari Nibieski, and for red, it is Tritsikolari Chirwani. So there's a CZ in there, a CZ combination. Mm. Very fun. Okay. Twakola Rouge, or Three Colors Red, also came out in 1994, directed by Christoph Koslowski. What do you think this has on Ron Tomatoes? I've said Christoph Koslowski so many more times than I was planning to. I think once I worked out how to pronounce it, I was like, I'm going to say this all the way through the episode now. <laughs> yeah. Um, 100%. It is 100%. So this is the highest rated. Um, can you tell me what this movie's about? Yeah, so this is the definitely the hardest one because mm. it's a it's a converging storylines kind of thing, which is kind of how fraternity fits into it. It's yeah, these yeah. um, it's these yeah seemingly unconnected characters who form these bonds. So at the center of it, you've got Valentin, uh, who is um a model, a part time model, um, but you know what? She could be a regular model. Wow. <laughs> um, she um. Uh, kind of the iconic image of this, I guess, is her. Um, she does a a bubblegum pa- uh, campaign, and the image that's chosen of her is just her, like looking off into the distance, sad. Um, she uh, running home, driving home one day, runs over a dog, um, then finds the owner of it, who is a retired judge, um, and then they kind of form this unlikely bond. And then we've also got, she's got a boyfriend who's like quite controlling. You don't actually um, ever see him though. You only yeah. hear him over but the, the phone. Oh, so th- the judge has like, um, it's not through tapping phone lines, but he's, he essentially, he listens and- It's wavelength. It's radio. Yeah. It's, his radio, um, he listens in on his um, neighbors having sex. Well, um, they're, they're or like, having sex. They're more like No, they're, they're, yeah, sorry. They're, they're sexual um, phone calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, his, his male neighbor's phone call with his male lover. Yeah. Um, Who ha- he has a, like a family and a daughter. So it's that's the scandal, I guess. Yeah. There's another uh, main character. Named August. August. This was the one I, I kind of struggle with the most, yeah, yeah. but at the same time, it's also really stuck with me. Yeah. So August's story is basically that his life is going real great and then his girlfriend cheats on him. And that's basically yeah. it. That's basically his whole yeah. story. It, it's presented as happening in the same vicinity to Valentine's story. So that the interconnected yeah. proto love actually um, style 
inter- you know converging yeah. storyline nature then, of it. Um, also, so the film kind of builds up to um, Valentine or Valentine is um, uh, moving to England. Well, um, she's, no, she's, she, I think she's just going on a holiday to see. Right, well, she's, she's she's going on a ferry across the um, English Channel, yeah. and um, then the ferry ends up um, capsizing or a storm hits. Yeah, um, and uh, her friend Kern, the judge, is watching at home, and we see footage, and they tell you that only seven people have been um, saved from the ferry. Um, and then the footage uh, on the news shows um, Julie and Olivier from Blue. Um, Olivier was the the new kind of lover. Carol mm-hmm. um, and Dominique from White. Um, August and Valentine. Yeah, so, so that's yeah, like, August got on the boat as well. That's only six yeah. though. So I wonder who the seventh. They never show you the seventh one, but yeah. um, and then it ends with the same shot. That's her. Um, her ad campaign and it's her like looking up at the distance sad um but yeah it's it's a it's it's a very interesting ending i messaged you when i saw it and i was like this is a this will be a talking point i think mm. um but the, the, the way it very very clearly brings all the characters together that puts them in the same place and you know it's one of those things that's like oh it seems very unlikely that they would all be on the same ferry but you know well, so th- if there six is people a- have survived, they all presumably have their own stories, yeah, and we've just yeah, seen exactly. them. You know? Yeah, it's it's less yeah. like oh, what a coincidence that all the three main characters survive, all the all the six main characters survive from each film, and more like wow, imagine if you saw the fairy sinking first, and then it went and showed you all these people's lives. Yeah, yeah, and it's like this is yeah, that's why they're the main characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting because it implied a lot more about um, uh, Dominique and Carol's future because and, and and julian olivia as well that's true yeah yeah um but i mean none of those characters were in jail <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. So, um so there there is a biblical kind of divine intervention vibe to this movie specifically i'd almost say that's the you know if, if white was a comedy and blue was really subjective red kind of has a deus you know, yeah. like there's a godliness to it because um, the judge that uh, Dominique befriends um, has a monologue at one point where he talks about like his heartbreak and it's eerily similar to to what's happening to August. And he also talks about the a boat capsizing on on the channel. So mm. there's like a time loop and almost a prescient quality to the character. Um, but yeah, so there you go. Roger Ebert called this the anti-romance, which I think is a really cool way to put it because it has the mm. body of a romance where the two leads never meet. Yeah, yeah. Ever, you know, at any point. Um, and so that is quite anti-romantic. Could be the least romantic thing I've ever heard, Richard, is not meeting someone you could be romantic with. Yeah. 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 What did you think of this one? Uh, yeah, th- this one was kind of the hardest one to... Because it isn't as straightforward, and obviously it's another language. There were moments when I'm when there was a few moments where I'd be like, "Wait, have I missed something?" Kind of thing. Yep, same. Um, but um, but then I think it's it the 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 fairy scene at the end and the final shot of her, like somehow it it, it stuck with me. It was the it was the the Michael by the lakeside and the godfather too well it is it does carry that significance because it almost feels like the whole film is is almost setting up a relatively arbitrary airy 
screenshot to finish on because the it's it re- replicates the ad. Yeah. The Wikipedia words it like um, the Wikipedia plot the, synopsis. The final image re- replicates the iconic ad poster of Valentine. But with this time showing real emotion on her face, which is it, Wikipedia words are like that's the point. Like now she's really yeah. experiencing the emotion. Yeah. But I, I don't know if I read Valentine's story as being one of someone who can't feign real emotion. Um, yeah. But that, yeah, it's it's not like it's not so much a, the film isn't about yeah whether you're actually feeling things or not. It's about fraternity. It's about brotherhood. Is is the yeah. other word I'd use to describe fraternity. Um and sort of yeah, the the and maybe maybe that's all just in that ending. Well, it's there's brotherhood between um Dominique and Kern the judge because they start out as she's like this is disgusting that you're eavesdropping and then becomes like quite a good friend and they Yeah, it becomes like, "Oh, this is quite hot that you're eavesdropping." <laughs> yeah, so I agree. Happen. I um, think Yeah. I, I, this is this is the best one by all accounts. You know, this is the this is the one yeah. that was nominated for Oscars. This is the one that got a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and I can see that from like a haughty torty film perspective, it being the favorite because it's the least clear, and that's what's so good about it is that it has that <laughs> that you know interpretation to it. Yeah. But I've I hazard to say, at least at this stage, having only watched them once, that it's maybe my least favorite of the three, just because. I want to sit with them more, maybe. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, it feels weird. I would say Bleu is probably my favorite. Yeah, same. But even that feels weird. And it's like, you know, these are films that, like, if I'd grown up with them, um, it would be like, oh, God, ask me on any given day. I'll tell you a different one's yeah, my yeah, favorite yeah. one, you know? like Except white. Um, it's never white. <laughs> oh, even that. It's like, you know, sometimes you're in the mood for that. But, yeah, like, like they, they do genuinely feel like these movies that, like, are super consistent. I mean, the fact that they all came out within 18 months of each other probably helped. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it's like it's a super consistent franchise. And to say that any... I, I feel like I could say that Blue, you know, might not be the best, but it's my, probably my favorite. Um, but then to say that one is my least favorite feels disingenuous, or that one is uh, the worst one. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's it's a very strange franchise like that. It was strange for this podcast because even something like The Godfather, which we talk about like one and two, like this, there's a very clear worst one. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's like essentially this this franchise is what would happen if The Godfather three was as good as one and two. That's a good way to put it. Um, I've got some dumb IMDb trivia here for you. Um, Citing that it does not meet enough of the necessary guidelines concerning a film's artistic control within a foreign co-production, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences disqualified the film for competing in Switzerland's official entry for the Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film. Um, In an unprecedented move, Switzerland rejected the Academy's offer to submit another film. Miramax Films co-chairman Harvey Weinstein persuaded more than 60 industry heavyweights to sign a letter of complaint urging the Academy Academy to reconsider its stance to no avail and it's weird reading a story i guess where harvey weinstein is the david to the goliath that is um the the, the academy, academy of of motion arts uh, picture arts and sciences um so i just thought that was a funny pre you know what <laughs> mention mm. of harvey weinstein being like objectively the good guy in a situation <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well you know broken clock yeah there you go um 
I, not, I didn't. I don't know if I saw this on IMDb. I saw it all over the place when researching this film. One of my favorite things I've seen that um, uh, Kislovsky would say about this film was essentially, yeah, the colors and the the thematic readings are all pretty arbitrary. Is like it, it's the French flag because French France funded the film, <laughs> and he basically <laughs> said that if if the, if if Germany funded these films and it was the they were named after the colors on the German flag, um, they what would, what would they what would those colors be? Um, I want to say green. Uh, I believe it's a red, yellow, and black. You type in German in flag and it doesn't even have just a picture of it. You have to click on images. Yeah, it's black, red, and, yeah, and yellow. Right, so if it was three colors or black, gold, three so, colors yeah. red, three colors gold, it, like he's, yeah. he's essentially saying you wouldn't the, the plots would be the same. There'd be no difference, yeah, right. um, which is interesting because I can understand being very liberal with how you interpret. We saw that with equality. Yeah. Um, but I would have thought that would have been what kicked off the the formulation of these ideas. That's how mm. I'd use them anyway, and we will use them. And he has also used them um, as a, in a different thing that we'll talk about later on. Huh? <clears throat> um, but another, so the the only thing that really connects these films outside of themes and ideas and the whole the fact that they're phrased as a trilogy um in their titles um and the the characters showing up in each film is that there is a elderly person in each film you see recycling a bottle in this big bottle recycler thing that we don't have in new zealand so i don't know what it's <laughs> called um but yeah in in blue you see an old woman trying to recycle um and you see an old man in white and you see another old woman in red all trying to put a bottle in this container and supposedly these are supposed to be the like the heart of what each film is about because in blue um julie doesn't notice the old lady and this is supposed yeah. to represent freedom apparently these are not my right. interpretations and in white um carol does not help the man but he looks at him with like a grin and there's almost a relation between the two in the spirit of equality um and in red uh valentine actually helps the old lady in the spirit of fraternity um, that's really interesting yeah, yeah, yeah i like that so that's a cool way to kind of look at what each of them are um Let's talk, Richard, about continue the franchise, where we Ooh, continue the franchise. Yeah, man. So, um, um, I, 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 I do want to now interrupt and say, <laughs> um, for some poorly placed, useless statistics. Very good, because it didn't feel like they were coming. Um, but this is if you count Godzilla as one franchise. Uh, this is our first franchise entirely in a language other than English yeah nice nice work but i mean like yeah if you if you just go off like hey say era show era yeah, yeah, yeah those are all but yeah yeah nice um so red was christoph kislovsky's final film as he retired afterwards and then he actually died two years later in 1996 um quite, yeah. quite suddenly apparently at the age of 53 i think i said before um so while there are obviously no sequels there is a structurally similar project which precedes three colors that he did called the decalogue mm -hmm. have you heard of this uh just from like being on Kislowski's um, yeah, yeah. Wikipedia page and saying he's known for Decalogue. Yeah, so the Decalogue was an anthology TV series of 10 one-hour films based on the Ten Commandments. 
That's cool. Um, which I really like and would really I, like to I check actually, it out. Yeah, no, I have heard of this. I, I think someone's mentioned it in our Discord. Right. So I, I really yeah. like the idea of basing your theme off some, like a series of themes for a series of different stories off something, you know, like each film is based on the seven deadly, one of the seven deadly sins or something like that. Like mm. I'm, I'm real into that. And so for continue the franchise this week, Richard, I thought you and I could maybe workshop the same idea together uh, because it felt inevitable that we'd land on something very similar, if not the same thing. Um, right. And so what I want us to pitch Richard is the red peak trilogy. Now okay. the, can I also do my continue the franchise after that? Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so the red Pe- red peak is a it was one of the um proposed flags for the new zealand flag change that happened years and years ago now a thousand years ago now in 2016 2015 um yeah and essentially to to cut a long story short the prime minister wanted to change the flag he put up uh four alternatives that all sucked and weren't uh okay well, I'll, I'll explain the story <laughs> so the prime minister john key um said look the we're gonna hold a referendum to change the flag so they took in um this uh, like essentially a, a massive amount of submissions and then they made a, an official long list of 40 alternative flag designs um, which you can look online. Some of them, some of them are quite good. Some of them are quite interesting. And then um, they chose four options. So uh, John Key's big thing was that he thinks that New Zealand should have a thing like the like Canada has the maple leaf. We should have the silver fern, which is like our thing um, on our flag. It's like our symbol. Um, and he said, you know, when um, Canadian soldiers die, they put the maple leaf on their tomb and and um he seemingly seemingly he was unaware well no um like new zealand soldiers have the silver fern on their tombstones um and then these these things came out the 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 four selections and they were ostensibly the same thing there was two that were identical with slightly different colors um and then one was just a black and white thing and then and then there was something else but um the country banded together and with this this red peak flag which is a uh it's like a, a white upside down v shape um which has uh divides the the flag into three segments one is blue one is black one is red and then the v itself is white um it's a beautiful flag it looks like a little uh, like a mountain i love it and the the country um especially you know people around our age like Banded behind this flag, and, and part like, of it this was, was because this was it was so great. It was truly the only good one. The other ones looked like yeah, and it, 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 it looks like a flag. It's got a New Zealand spin on it. It means something, which you'll go into in a moment. Yeah. Um, and it's like it, it can it can fly either way. It can flap about in the wind. It's symmetrical. A little kid can draw it. It looks great when it's like shrunk down. When you shrink down our flag, you can't tell it from Australia's. Mm. Um, but then John Key was like, he, he said, I, I I don't like the flag. Um, but you know, we would have to change the law. We'd have to have a majority vote in parliament to add that in to the referendum. And then all the other parties were like, well, fuck, we'd support it. Like, and then, so eventually it got added to the referendum. Um, and then, so, um, there was this, this moment where, 
you know, the New Zealand people had spoken and we now got to vote on this flag. Because might I add, they, they didn't have a single vexiologist, which is an expert in flags, on the committee it drives me insane, to, man. to choose that. Like, it's, like, imagine your country was writing a new national anthem and th- they didn't involve a single songwriter in the entire thing, a single musician it's in the entire a, It was such process. a John Key thing to do. It's yeah, this, like, this, like he, he wanted this to be his legacy, yeah. essentially. And it's, it's this old corporate boomer who got a bunch of corporate logos as flags and was like pick one and then everyone's like can yeah. we have this one that evokes kind of like the the um the the spirit of like you know old new zealand and and the the heart of yeah. the country um and he said <laughs> he just didn't yeah, want to do said, it. yeah and, and then um uh one of the flags he liked it was essentially our current flag but instead of the union jack it was a silver fern it's like that's a very simplifying it but mm-hmm. it's similar to that but then which then lost to our current flag in the second referendum um and then um yeah we still have the same flag um yeah but yeah like i i i i still love the idea that had red peak won that initial referendum we would have the country would have forced the prime minister into a situation where he went from being the only person in the country who thought it was important to change the flag to then get a referendum that he either has to vote for a flag he's admitted he doesn't like <laughs> or vote to keep the flag yeah that and it's like God, that would be happen. like, and, and imagine if like New Zealand's flag had this story behind it of like the people banding together and and putting this on the referendum because like that's the one they care about. Yeah, and so Red Peak has kind of become an unofficial symbol for like renegade New Zealand now, I guess. Although it has hmm. faded from um, the limelight in recent years, but I thought it would be cool to essentially do what uh, Kislovsky did with the uh, the Three Colors trilogy and make the Red. Peak peak trilogy um there mm-hmm. are four colors on the red peak flag i'm ignoring i'm not ignoring i'm not including white because it's uh, you'll see in a minute so the wikipedia design um s- section for red peak says the design a simplified reference to the geometric elements of the taniko pattern as well as to the star tips of the current flag represents the uniqueness of new zealand's land light and position the white chevron refers to the collision of two tectonic plates that formed the southern alps while the colored triangles uh, symbolize the red earth black night and blue dawn a reference to the rangi and papa creation story in native maori mythology in this way the flag also notes new zealand's prominence as one of the first countries to hold the light of a new day fuck it's so good it's so beautiful um so essentially it's a flag which says we are the first to get the new day here is some of our legends etc et yeah it's, it's also called first to the light first to the light is an alternate name for it um so the films that i would i would call them i've actually only written titles because i thought we could workshop it but i don't know okay i thought so based on that that wikipedia article and what is the official um like you know these are the design principles uh, by the creator i was thinking the films would be called red peak red earth red peak black night and red peak blue dawn right um and right. so red earth black night blue dawn um, and I, right. I guess they would each, maybe they would go into the Rangi and Papa creation stories from, or like, oh the, yeah, like actually tell like Maori mythology because Ma- those yeah. are some really interesting stories. And maybe they could be like uh, contemporary set versions, like, yeah, of like those fables, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Thing, yeah. Um, and so that's what that's 
I this is something I would legitimately kind of want to pursue um, <laughs> as a film project. Yeah. So welcome to a very earnest uh, version of episode of or edition of um continue the franchise franchise. where it's like let's make a red peak series of films (laughs) yeah i love it um anyway what's your continue the franchise okay my continue the franchise um is called uh it's it's a trilogy of three films um which are three colors blue three colors white and three colors red however I'm going to swap the first and last ones. So you've got three colors, red, white, and blue. Oh. Um, And I uh, did a little research into uh, like American, if you search like American ideals. So this is an, um, this is an American remake, essentially. Um, Truth, uh, If you look up the American ideals, it's um, democracy, rights liberty opportunity and equality that's obviously more than three what i've decided to go with is uh three colors red white and blue each film would um cover the first one would cover truth second one would cover justice and the third one would cover the american way Hmm. uh, which is the catchphrase of superman yeah um so the idea i had for truth is um so you have like it could essentially be I, I had an idea that it could be like a story along the lines of bombshell um that it's about you know a young journalist going to work in uh mainstream media something like fox news um you know one of these more kind of or, or maybe even like a more right with like an info wars type thing right. um and not realizing kind of how far down the rabbit hole they are or even if it's just someone who's just blindly supporting one of these ideas like QAnon and doesn't kind of understand and then it would be the the story about how you know the 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 oversaturation of fake news uh in America now like you can't distinguish the truth anymore yeah and it's someone falling victim to that it would be the story of it would be this downhill slope of someone who uh, graduates from some kind of uh, broadcasting school journalism school and is forced into one of these jobs without having to peddle lies can can they also uh, can this also be reflected in their personal relationships probably <laughs> see how good are films when you base them on a single like ideal eh? <laughs> and yeah. this is really really good nice man that's really good okay and then um three colors white which deals with justice um would be about um It'd be about a good cop, mm-hmm. you know? So cops have obviously gotten a bad bad rap in the last year. Um, the last year? But this is, this, is about, this is about one of the good ones, one of those few good apples um, that, you know, that we, that we're so constantly told about. It's someone who wants to really make a difference in their local police force. And then, you know, one day they, they see... A, a George Floyd type incident, mm-hmm. a, a life changing incident uh, done by their fellow officers. They, the, our main character, goes through all of the right avenues to find justice. Yeah, and the police department sweeps it under the rug, as it always happens, because that's what justice looks like in America, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's protecting 
themselves. Everyone covering their their own ass. This is essentially it's essentially the story of Christopher Dorner, um, who Dave Chappelle talked about in his special eight eight forty six, which is about George Floyd. Um, that was like the, the, this this guy who. Uh, he used to be a Marine and then he did everything right. He tried to call out the bad cops and then he ended up going on a shooting spree, essentially shooting his shooting fellow officers. Um, and it was this, this big man hut because it was this, he was this, this black officer. Um, and everyone was like, yeah, yeah, there was like, there was this whole race thing around it, but yeah, like tell the story of, yeah what justice looks like everyone goes oh you know there's only a few good like uh, there are good cops it's like yeah but this is what happens to them yeah like when, when a good person tries to become a cop this is what the system does to them yeah so that's um three colors white justice could, three colors white justice could the um <laughs> oh geez was that intentional um uh, it was unintentional <laughs> uh could this also could the these themes of justice or injustice also be reflected in the main character's personal life Yes. Excellent. Cool. What? Tell me. Tell me. Three colors. Um. What's the last one? Blue. Three colors. Blue. The American way. This would tell the story of an immigrant mother, um, who, um, uh, with her young children, who is trying to find sanctuary in the United States, um, and. I mean, if you look into like, you know, any of this shit, like it's, they would get trapped at the border by ice. Um, they are fleeing their home country because it is legitimately unsafe for them. And the US government goes, well, you know, shouldn't have, uh, you know, shouldn't have been born in, in a uh, shithole country to use um, the president of the United States words. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's this this woman who would eventually die um, waiting to be led into America um, to to pursue her own American dream of uh, just wanting to give her kids a good life um, and escape whatever hellscape is going on in her home country. Um, because that's the American way. And it should also, um, the, the reason her country is, is a hellscape, it should be because of American intervention as well. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so anyway, these would be three well, I, very I depressing one, movies. One question about yeah. the last one. Yeah. Um, could these themes of the American way be reflected in the main character's personal life? No. No. Okay. Damn. No. <laughs> okay. Mm. Fair enough. You're, um, you're the director. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, like these would be three very, um, very harsh reality, harsh kind of looks at reality. Um, they would all have very depressing endings. Um, and well, that's it's yeah, yeah. I like that. That's really interesting because the the French Polish version of this, the the real one that actually exists, they all have, have oddly hopeful endings. All three of them. Do. Yeah. Um. The maybe red is a little bit darker, but they still live. They all live at the yeah, end yeah, of three. Yeah, for sure. Uh, at the end of, of red. Um. And this is like like when when the th- three color trilogy looks at the french ideals they're taking them seriously whereas you've looked at the american ideals and 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 you know done a black mirror distorted reflection of it it's very cynical yeah, well, they're, they're, they're a fucking joke at the moment aren't they? <laughs> um, um, no i love it man i love it really good stuff <laughs> thank you um, yeah, so when you were like, I'm going to not let you do a continue franchise, I've like, actually thought about it this time. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, 
but did you have in your notes as well the the, the really interesting I've just I've just found this out that um Kislowski, um so you mentioned the Decalogue thing but there's actually another similar project Ooh. um to the the Three Colors trilogy um so um at the time of his death he was working with um the the writer of these films um Pesowitz yep not sure how to say that um on a second trilogy um which would have been called heaven hell and purgatory um oh i like that and so um uh they wrote these scripts and then in 2002 2005 and 2007 these three films actually were made by different directors um so there's heaven um by tom twyker hell or l'enfer by um dennis uh, Tanovic and Hope um, by uh, Stanislaw Mucha. So these are all three films that were, you know, made by different readers. I don't know if they try and have any kind of connection other than they were all just adapted from these scripts that were intended to go together. Um, but yeah, interesting thing. That is very interesting. I'm sorry. I should have caught that in my notes. I'm glad I'm glad you did. Um, yeah. All right. Let's, Richard, rank that franchise. So... This is, uh, we have all our franchises listed on Letterbox, letterbox.com um, slash Cole Popsha, I think. <laughs> that's an assumption. Go to our list. Yeah, you say this, <laughs> say this every week. We go, oh, I don't know if that's it. <laughs> um, and we have a list called FFF Ranking, which is where we list all of the um, 118 currently franchises we've covered. Um, and fun fact, uh, Three Colors Blue is the 500th film arguably that we've watched for film mm. franchise Fortnite, so that's pretty cool um have you got it open i do all right do you want to rank it or do you want me to do it uh oh, you can rank you can rank it. you can do the actual ranking okay if you like, but well um sweet so we're i this is this would be quite high <laughs> uh yeah do you have a so we're going to explain the whole okay. thing again. <laughs> uh, oh, the, the, the nymphomaniac well, I don't think I think I don't it's going to be above the nymphomaniac I constant. think it's, yeah, I think that's irrelevant today. Um, okay, so I think you and I can both agree this is quite high. Can we? Would we both agree that it would be top 10? Um, and then I'll run through what our top 10 are. Uh, is it better than Shrek? Is it better than Shrek? Yes, it's better than Shrek. Uh, okay, so our top 10 are currently, and this is 1 to 10, Toy Story, The Godfather, Back to the Future, Mission Impossible, Scream, Iron Man, Spider-Man, Raimi Trilogy, Lord of the Rings, uh, The Terminator, and Shrek. Now, where are you thinking? Jesus, man, it might be pretty high Because do you know there. what? Do you, do you want me to throw out my, where I think? Where? Or what, what I'm kind of thinking? If this was one, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with it. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. I don't know if it's as personally um, triumphant to me as Toy Story. Toy Story, yeah. Um, I would, I, th- I can, I would happily put it above The Godfather or Back to the Future. I don't think I could, do yeah, because just like because it's it's so consistent, yeah. And it's like yeah, the, these are like. For for our podcast, anyway, these are like the godfathers of foreign films we've covered so far. <laughs> I reckon put it above Back to the Future. <sighs> or does the fact that it's pretty godfa- godfather quality films, but they actually got three for three, bump it above the godfather? I think it can, yeah. I guess I like godfather 
more than I yeah. like any of the three colors films though. Yeah. But I do um uh yeah. Also yeah, like I mean it'd be cool. Yeah, a cool top three is is Toy Story and then Godfather and Red, White and Blue. Um Yeah. Like we're gonna look like cool filmy arty boys after this. Well that that's ex- actually exactly what I'm thinking, Richard, is like it feels like the book of every franchise that we're writing is like a step closer to being comprehensive now that we've got three yeah, colours yeah, yeah. in the top three. Um so yeah, are you happy at three or do you want to go two? Cultur- culturally culturally I feel like the Godfather, at least in our world, has yeah. impacted so in, much. In more. our world, like outs you mean just the world outside of France and Poland. Exactly. Yeah. Um <laughs> But it's not like the Godfather is like especially um local either Neglected like it's and, yeah, the yeah. godfather's italian you know so it's still it's yeah. essentially from the same same regions um yeah i think three i think three i i think it, it is a better score for consistency than the godfather but at the very least the godfather part one is, is the greatest film of all time yeah, <laughs> yeah so that's what i'm thinking what do you think uh yeah i i, I could put it at three all right there we go. It is shit. Three colors and number three. Very nice. Um, awesome. That's that's we're so classy and you know oh. this podcast now belongs in the Criterion Collection. I think now that we have yeah. three colors up in there. Um, cool. All right. Well, Richard, what this leaves us with is um, our next franchise for the year. Um, for well, I say for the year because we're coming up to the end of the year now, and the end of film franchise Fortnite's for 2020. And Richard, we thought it was gonna we would have two franchises left, um, and then we kind of had another thought, and I'll explain that in a second because uh, we're not doing franchise roulette; we're doing our Patreon voted. So over at Patreon.com/slash um you get to vote for every second franchise a month that we do. So that's one franchise. No, every second franchise we do, so it's one franchise a month you get to tell us what to watch. And this month, the winning vote, based on the the moot that maybe it should be vaguely Christmassy, um, you know, the, that was the, the mission statement, was that maybe because it's Christmas time we do a not, Christmas... Not stated by us in any way. No, that's true. It's sort of just a happy coincidence. Um, the voted on uh, franchise was the Muppets movies. The movies in the Muppets media franchise, which consists of a lot more than movies obviously we'll just be covering the movies but that also called into question a larger thing which was how many muppet movies are there because there are de- yeah. definitively eight theatrical muppet movies but then you look at um straight to dvd tv movies um you'll find a few more and it didn't seem right for our podcast to not we definitely covering them it was a question of when and how and what the the go is so we've decided richard off pod that the last two film franchise Fortnite episodes for 2020 will be the muppets straight to dvd slash tv movies followed a fortnight later by the muppets theatrical releases um and so by my count and i did I've researched this. I looked at the, the the duration of the various Muppets TV specials and straight to DVD movies, and by my count, there are five Muppets movies that mm. that exist under that banner. Which just includes, just to clarify, yep. what's the reasoning for doing them in that order? Uh, because you're really busy this week, so I thought 
saving the later films for later down the track would and also i want to end the year watching like muppets most wanted you know like like a film that's probably going to be better than the final of these ones um so the five films we're doing are muppet classic theater kermit's swamp years uh it's a very merry muppet christmas movie the muppets wizards of oz which should just be the muppets of oz we'll get to that um and finally (laughs) a muppets christmas letters to santa so two christmas specials in this lot um so we'll be watching them over the next fortnight if you want to watch along with us followed by the eight theatrical Muppet movies mm. the following fortnight in between Netflixmas 2020 ring the sleigh bells Richard the season is upon us for Netflix to crank out a bunch of almost always shit Christmas movies unless one of them is like a modern masterpiece which I don't think has happened this year oh, sadly uh, we, we, we were spoiled last year that's never going to happen <laughs> it's never going to happen again um, referring of course to Klaus and that is the end of the episode if you enjoyed this episode please uh, and and you've never heard the show um maybe consider supporting us on all the different platforms we're on all the different social medias facebook youtube instagram twitter um you can email us at coldpopshamedia gmail.com support us on patreon patreon.com slash and join the coldpopshire discord where you can chat to us every day about how three colors doesn't count as a franchise or how um a muppet's christmas letters to santa is listed as a tv special and it's like yeah but it's 80 minutes long and yes i know there's a lady gaga one that's 90 minutes long but that seemed to me more like a tv like a concert. concert it's a concert it's a filmed concert it's not a movie fight me um on the discord which you can find a link to or in the show you notes. can just say on the discord the just do the theatrical ones and then maybe we'll just do that next week <laughs> um <laughs> and then that'll be it and we'll do look, another franchise or, or you can go on there and be like hey AJ Richard loved you continue the franchise ideas I want to invest I want to make these films I am a producer with billions of dollars let's make this film yeah quid pro quo I am in jail and I do possibly have COVID-19 <laughs> but you should see what I did for Three Colors Red <laughs> All right, welcome to the post-credits scene. This is a segment at the end of each episode after the... A very qu- silly segment. ...quote-unquote credits roll uh, where you can give us something to talk about for a couple of minutes. I hope that people imagine credits during the bomb bomb chicka bomb bomb Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Um, anyway, this you can do this yourself, actually, Richard. If you wanted to give us a post-credits scene, all you'd have to do is go to www.patreon.com slash Donate right. $5. Would I not be exempt by being a creator no absolutely not um donate five dollars or more a month and you get a turn at giving us something to talk about and this question comes to us from uh luke do you want to read it to us another patreon question for you lads if you were to wake up one morning and seemingly everyone on earth besides you disappeared how would you spend your time a few caveats you can't die from suicide you know you will live for 100 years after the disappearing and while you're not sure if you're the only person everyone locally disappeared and you do not immediately find signs of life online when i was a little kid i actually regularly fantasized about this when I was a 27-year-old man, I regularly <laughs> fantasized about this. And the one thing I knew I would do would be go to my local Video Easy 
which is our New Zealand's blockbuster, and finally get into that tantalizing adults-only section and watch (laughs) a bunch of porn? That is literally my answer to the question. I have no follow-up answers. What is your answer? Okay, so the thing is, like, you've, you've probably only got power for a limited time. Yeah, that's true. You would, you would, you would need to stock up on as much preserved goods as you can. Um, you would need to find some kind of way to hunt. Um, not even just, uh, you know, you know, not even to, um, to feast, but to de- for self defense. Because in you know the coming hundred years that you're stuck here, um, you would, yeah, you would need to fend for yourself. Everything's going to become overgrown. Yeah. The wild animals are going to be running everywhere. Um, yeah, like essentially the the first thing. I mean, you know, after I've I've mourned the loss of everyone I know and love, I would, Your buddy um, AJ. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably, uh, yeah, travel because I mean, also gasoline's only only good for a few years as well if it's just lying there stagnant. Um, so it's not like you'd be able to, I, you know, I would I would get in a car and I would drive as far as I could, kind of thing. Um, and I would I would probably plan out some kind of base somewhere. I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure where just yet, but you know, you would you would drive for as long as you could to see if you can find any signs of life you'd stock up on um any kind of first aid supplies you can as well um like yeah my, my car would just be fucking loaded with like tins of spaghetti and paracetamol switching from car to car probably when i um when i run out of, when i run out of gas um and i would i would find some kind of dog that i would because all the, only the humans are gone seemingly um i would befriend some kind of animal as well it could be my noble steed or like my um my companion um and yeah yeah i guess you would just kind of wander aimlessly for the rest of time i i mean you could probably work out how long you would have power for but yeah there's a lot of things you'd probably want to research while you still have the internet that you might need to know i mean i guess there's still libraries and whatnot well, Richard, have fun with your cross-country post-apocalyptic adventure. I'm watching porn. <laughs> well, I would come try come find the porn. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hmm. I would break into a lot of houses as well, I imagine. Yeah. Look for porn. Just to just to shake up the place. In case people come back, they'll be like, no. My porn. <laughs> 